This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDBE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Prezuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome back to another edition and another year of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE at SNR. I'm Mike Prasuda, joined uh, as I have been for the past couple of years by Matt Williamson in studio and Merrill Hodge uh, via the magic of electronic communication. Merrill will be with us for our second segment tonight and throughout the season as we get you ready week by week for each and every Steelers upcoming game. But Matt, uh, before we get to Steelers and Bills tonight, the news of the day uh, breaking late af- late this afternoon via Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network and NFL.com. The Steelers and T.J. Watt agreeing to a four-year extension worth uh, $112 million north <laughs> of that, actually. Uh, the average annual value, $28.003 million. That must have been the hang-up. I guess that point oh oh three. Yeah, right, right. Twenty eight wasn't quite enough, and yeah, right. And eighty million guaranteed. Now, uh, no official word from the Steelers confirming the signing, but uh, Joe Hayden's already reacted to it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, JJ Watts already reacted to it on Twitter. Absolutely, telling little brother to pay up on the IOUs. Yeah, I, I bet. Congrats to TJ. Well deserved. I'm sure those numbers blow some people away. I just think that the salary cap is about to go crazy, and it was about to before the whole COVID situation. You now have you know betting money coming into the league, so I I think very soon that's not going to look like an outrageous contract at all. And he's worth it. I mean, it's just the going rate, and they have a lot of money for the cap next year to go get a quarterback if need be or whatever they need to fill the roster out. So I don't think it's prohibitive going forward either. Yeah, and something I think they needed to get done, Matt. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's something they wanted to get done, and they made no secret of that. Mm-hmm. But the, these deals are complicated, and it's something that's been talked about since the end of last season. It, it was talked about a lot at the start of training camp, and then T.J. Watt went through this convoluted uh, preparation process. Uh, some people were calling it a hold-in. Yeah, know, that's he, just today's NFL, though, right. He, he showed up. Uh, he was working out every day hard every yeah, day right right but individually didn't do any 11 on 11 work until yesterday and had this gone uh, past the Steelers self-imposed deadline of once the ball's kicked off that's it for negotiations mm-hmm. the focus should be on the Super Bowl I think it could have been a potential distraction while I'm not a big believer in distraction I think the message sent by something like this is hey uh, if we draft you and we develop you and you do your thing and you hold up your end, we'll hold up ours. Yeah, that's and- the key to me is just sending the right message to his teammates in the locker room that we're not the Pirates. We're not here just to turn you into draft picks. And, you know, I mean, you do the right thing, you're going to be here for the long haul, and it's going to be a good relationship. Might come calling to you in two, three years. Hey, can you renegotiate? We need some money here and there. This is a partnership, and I think it's the right message for sure. And he seems like the right guy to do that with. And, you know, you mentioned the hold in. I mean, it, it, you were there much more than I was. I mean, I mean, he did the individual stuff. He was in all the meetings. I'm sure he's lifting and working out. Like, I'm not worried about rust or is this guy going to be ready for the beginning of the season? I mean, do you think Aaron Donald did a bunch of team drills this year? I mean, Miles Garrett did. It's just how the league is right now, too. Yeah, very, very few reps missed, but mm-hmm. none were taken. Right, right, right. As the defensive coordinator Keith Butler pointed out a couple weeks ago, 
there's in shape and there's hit in shape. Right. And you get in hit in shape by hitting a little bit. And he has something to that. He hasn't done that. Butler spoke again today. It was a coordinator Thursday down there at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side. And Keith Butler talked about how uh, anticipating Watt would play before the news that, uh, uh, or the report, I should say, from Ian Rappaport about the contract extension. Keith Butler said they got to find the sweet spot how to use him against the Bills. They can't overplay him, Mm -hmm. but they can't underplay him. Clearly, he's not prepared to be T.J. Watt. Defensive player of the year, runner-up, not quite yet. That would surprise me a little, though. I mean, I think that's easy to say Thursday night, but when the bullets start flying in the middle of the game, I, I think he's out there playing as much as he usually does. I mean, and it, it, I'm not knocking him at all. He's been known to take himself out of games a fair amount. So maybe he does that 10% more or something like that. I mean, I still think he plays the majority of the snaps. He's a great player. Uh, he's going to be needed. They're going to be throwing the ball a ton. We'll be talking Bills here quite a bit, I'm sure. But, I mean, he, this is a perfect matchup for him to really be a difference maker and maybe help him pull the upset off. Uh, other outside linebacker news. Uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, groin, downgraded today from limited participation to did not participate. But Keith Butler said, and I quote, it's good to have 56. I think 56 will be all right. We'll see, though. But uh, Keith Butler. It's noteworthy, though. At least trending the wrong direction a little bit. He is, but yeah. uh, boy, has he had a camp, too. Oh, man. And Melvin Ingram uh, right behind him uh, at that position. So they got the three yeah. guys that they want uh, in terms of the quality of all three of them and the, the ability to rotate them in and out of the game. We'll see what the division of labor looks like when they get to Buffalo. Yeah, and they're really fortunate right now to have Ingram because if either one of those guys – can only play X amount of snaps or are on a pitch count or re-aggravate something or, you know, TJ's conditioning by play 40 is, you know, dragging a little bit, rotate Ingram in. You know, I mean, it's a lot better situation than I can remember as the third outside linebacker. I mean, no offenses to the Chickalos of the world, but this is a much, much different situation. And, and I don't know if it's in their plans or not. Again, I haven't been watching practice, but – I would implement some some packages with all three of those guys in the game together, especially with two it being out and as much pass as you're going to see this weekend. As one of those NASCAR type packages makes a lot of sense to me. We've seen it before, uh, particularly down in Baltimore last year, yeah, and uh, worked out pretty well at times. Uh, Kendrick Green, the rookie center, uh, upgraded from limited to full participation. Uh, Tyson Alu Alu upgraded from did not practice to full participation. So. Good. Assuming Highsmith is okay, the health situation looks great, other than the guys on IR. Yeah, right. Uh, but Disappointed Anthony McFarland's going to get a delayed start to the season, but uh, that's the way it is. That's life in the big leagues. For the Bills, they did not practice today, uh, but per league policy estimated what their participation <laughs> would a have little, been. A little odd, yeah. It was estimated that uh, their nickel corner, uh, Teron Johnson, uh, was upgraded from limited to full with a hand. Uh, defensive tackle star, Luta Lele. Uh, calf uh, didn't work yesterday and uh, it was estimated that he would not have worked today had they worked but they didn't so they estimated (laughs) that that he wouldn't work and wide receiver opted out last year yeah yeah wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders foot uh, estimated to be limited again today as he was yesterday but let's start with uh, lots of Lele and uh, that Bill's front because Mm -hmm. uh, I I recall Matt a couple of years ago you and I were breaking down a game uh, the Steelers at the San Francisco 49ers and we looked at that Niners team and thought, man, they got a lot of D-line, and they're very cool. good, and they come, and they got a bunch of them. 
And I think uh, the copycat league, the trickle-down effect, Buffalo looks Niner-esque to me. Uh, maybe not quite the star quality. Say, it doesn't have the Bosa. You know, I mean, it yeah. doesn't have the, the stud. But a lot of high-end guys, they've invested picks. They've, they've gone out they and got guys. they got two strong hockey lines. Yeah. And they're going to rotate those guys in like crazy. Uh, for people that don't realize it, this draft, they drafted Rousseau and Basham with their first two picks. Both those guys are very physical, four, three ends that can bounce inside. Last year, they traded their first-round pick for Stefan Diggs but took a really similar guy in A.J. Epinesa in the second round, who's also a power end that can bounce inside. And then the year before that, they used a top-ten pick on Ed Oliver, who's kind of the, the Geno Atkins upfield player. Uh, they've signed, you know, I mentioned Lou Lele. He was um, away from the game last year because of COVID. He's back. Uh, they, they they signed a edge rusher from Carolina who's a good player. Mario Addison. Addison as well as the um, – O-F-A-D-A. I, I, can't, I never pronounce his name properly. Something like that. He's a good player as well. F.A. Obata? Yes. He's better than people think. He had four or five sacks and limited duties last year. Um, I yeah. would say Jerry Hughes is their best guy, but he's kind of on the back nine. What's he been there about? 38 years About now? 38 years. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I just named 10 players he's that are all good. He's a bigger staple in Buffalo than Wings, man. <laughs> right. So, the, they've been investing like crazy. Um, they're trying really what they're trying to do is catch the Chiefs. You know, I mean, that, that's what this is all about, in my opinion. And it's going to give the Steelers new O line fits, or it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's yeah, lot, that, lots uh, of them. That brings me to my, uh, you know, I, I got two matchups for you tonight yeah. in particular. One I think really favors the Steelers, mm -hmm. one I think really favors the Bills. The one we just talked about <laughs> yeah. really favors the Bills. I would say so against a good offensive line. Yes. I got no idea what to anticipate from left to right. Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, uh, the guy Trey from the Chargers, Trey right. Turner. And, and now uh, Chooks going back to the right Chukuma side. Chukuma for back on the right side. Boy. Um, the thing you don't like about it, too, is not only are they a lot of young, talented guys, and there's so many of them, they might just find a matchup that they like, Epinesa against Turner, whatever it is, and they can just test a lot of places on, you know, you know poke and find the spot that really is most vulnerable and how they can best attack it. So a lot of options for the Bills. And they got some length with these guys. You know, Rousseau's crazy. You looking. mentioned yeah. Rousseau. I loved him coming out. Not that I thought the Steelers needed that type sure, of sure. player given – everything else they had, but you and I did so much pre-draft work together uh, and so much programming on it, and when I was watching that guy on tape, the guy's by him, but he isn't, because he just reaches out. <laughs> He's like a condor, and gets yeah. Him. Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't blow anybody up, but mm -mm. he just gets him on the ground. Yeah, long. He also opted out last year as well. They don't need him to do a lot in his rookie year, but I guess he's been impressive in camp in the preseason. He line up over the edge. He did a lot of work in the big, you know, is a hurricane over guards, yeah. things like that. And yeah, even the effect on the pass rush or right, the quarterbacks, right. you know, stressed throwing on a bootleg, yep. getting, the, getting the reach out there and taking away the throwing lanes. I, People haven't seen him yet. You might be a little shocked what he looks like. Yeah, He's an odd-looking fella. All right. It is formidable. The matchup I like for the Steelers, and uh, we've talked about this before, and we will again tonight. Bills are 90% a nickel team. They, number one in the league by a wide margin. I mean, they, they are always going to be – Four down linemen, two linebackers, five defensive backs. You can count on it. Now, that said, I watched their last preseason game against Green Bay, which was Buffalo's dress rehearsal. Mm -hmm, okay. And Green Bay came out in two tights, and the Bills played base against two tights. Okay. And I'm thinking, if they're going to do that, if I'm Matt Canada, the Steelers' new offensive coordinator, I am putting Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth in the game. 
I'm going to have Najee Harris in the game, and I'm going to spread those guys out, and I'm going to attack those linebackers. I like it. With guys that I don't yeah. think you can cover. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, with all respect to Ebron, they should count him as a wide receiver, not as a tight end. <laughs> I mean, to be very honest with you. But and, the Bills might, for personnel purposes, right. they might consider him a tight end. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm, that's why people script plays. You know, if you if you script some plays with 12 personnel, Najee, those two tight ends, and you do happen to get base and get a third linebacker on the field, which is not what they like to do, uh, I think you'll see an awful lot of it. That's something to keep an eye on early in the game for sure. Yeah, the, uh, the third guy, and it, it's funny, Buffalo even uh, – on their depth chart, the starting defense is the nickel. You'd never see that on the depth chart. Right? I mean, the Steelers yeah. used to put the include the nickel, yeah. but it would be as a 12th guy. Okay. I think they were just throwing a bouquet to Mike Hilton. Yeah, you know, right, right. Hey, Makes you sense. work hard. We appreciate you. But there's a nose tackle on there. Yeah, yeah right, uh, right. The base for Buffalo is the nickel, and the third guy at linebacker is A.J. Klein, number 54. He's not a mm -hmm. terrible player. No, he's not. But I want them in something they'd rather not play. With 100% certainty. I 100% agree with you. Even Milano, the, the the linebacker who never leaves the field, he missed, I want to say, 10 games or so last year. A bunch, yeah. And they still stayed nickel, you know, with two linebackers all the time. I mean, it's just what they do, you know. And in a way, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, their run defense numbers aren't great, but they want you to run the ball. <laughs> you know, they, you know that, that's what they're begging you to do because they don't think you can keep up with Josh Allen and company by, you know, pounding away at the football, you know, with with an old-school running game. Yeah, what I like about that approach for the Steelers is it gets Buffalo into something that it would rather not play. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think Tremaine Edmonds is a budding star in the league. I do, too. But he's not yet. Not yet. And the defense doesn't have a lot of stars. I think Milano's a really good player. Yep. But that said, what we saw out of Pat Fryermuth all preseason, and particularly Najee Harris, I don't know how many times I was over at Heinz Field watching Devin Bush try to cover him and not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's he's a handful in the passing game. Really handful. I don't know passing. what he's going to rush for this year because I'm not so sure all this talk about run, run, run from the Steelers is going to translate into more running. Mm -hmm. I still think you're going to see a lot of three wide and a lot oh, of shotgun. Yeah. But I think me, you'll see empty with Najee outside the numbers, too. Yeah. Running wide receiver routes. Give me give me Harris, give me Fryermuth, and even Ebron, who, yeah, I get that the drops are frustrating, but the guy, yeah. ma guy makes a lot of plays, too. And he's, he's hard to account for. He is matchup wise. He is a matchup is. issue. So uh, I'm curious to see how much the Steelers can get Buffalo in base. And, oh, that'd be great. And if so, how they can exploit it. Yeah, I, mean, I think they can. Oh, I think they can too. Because I mean, even their big people, Fryermuth, Ebron, not Harris, but I mean, they're all very, very capable. Uh, I was to say they're better in the passing game than they are the run game. I mean. Fryermuth and Ebron are, are big receivers at this point. I mean, yeah, they'll block a little, and Fryermuth should improve in that regard. But if you can get them to have heavier personnel on the field, I bet you see Ben and shotgun and five wide, basically. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Against, and the against other thing base. that might accomplish, if you're looking for tight ends and, and the running back, you don't have to hold it so long. Oh, which, yeah. A lot of quick, you may not have throw. that option. <laughs> right. We talked about that matchup. That was our opening segment. <laughs> we have a lot more to get to tonight, so uh, keep it here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the third member of our team. That would be Merrill Hodge, who uh, needs no introduction, but we'll try to give him one anyway. Uh, Merrill's going to be with us for segment number two, and we've uh, got a new play in the playbook this year. It's an extended segment two. We were trying to fit Merrill into a normal break last year. Hard to do. Hard to do when Squat he gets rolling. And <laughs> Square we, peg, round hole. Yeah. We heard from the people, and they said, let him finish. <laughs> let him finish those stories. They're great. So we're going to do that, and then Matt and I will uh, do uh, a Kind of a two-minute drill at the end of the night. But uh, that's uh, the plays. Uh, we're going to see if we can execute them 
tonight and throughout the season with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. It is Steelers Preview, the first of our weekly breakdowns of the Steelers' upcoming opponent. Tonight we're looking at the regular season opener Sunday in Buffalo, and it's our pleasure now to welcome the third member of our team to the show. The full house backfield, if you will, is back together again. Merrill Hodge, a guy who has uh, been at DVE longer than the D in the call letters, I think. Used to be WVE, and then uh, then we brought Merrill aboard uh, way, way back when. Merrill, how you doing, brother? Man, I couldn't be better. I'm sitting here in a tree looking at absolutely nothing. I decided fo- football is a lot like honey. Very unpredictable. <laughs> well, Very to, unpredictable. To, to set the stage for your appearance tonight, uh, I want to clue the listening audience in on kind of how we get ready to do things here. And Today that involved me texting Merrill just to make sure, hey, did, sure, you know, the go, show's right, back. Right. Did somebody reach out and tell you, are you ready at 720 tonight? And the response I got via text was, I may be gutting a deer about that time, but I'll be ready. So are you or have you? No, uh, no, actually, uh, obviously they read the memo or the, somebody got the text because the squirrels aren't even showing up. That's how bad it is out here. I mean, that's how, that's how lonely it is out here. But I'm sitting in the woods. You never know when we hang up here. I still got another 30 minutes of daylight. Maybe something pops in. But it's about football now, boys. Where are you? I'm in Kentucky. Kentucky opened up white. Their deer season opened up first of September, and then um, I'm like Bill Belichick. As soon as I get something here, I'm on to Ohio. <laughs> I'm on to Ohio, <laughs> and then after that, I'm on to Louisiana. <laughs> and then we talk about the season at the end of the year. But I'm in Kentucky right now. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> let's let's gear towards football here a little bit, Merrill. And I, I can't wait to get your opinion. We got to start from scratch. It's our first conversation of the year. Tell me everything, you know, and your thoughts on Najee Harris and what he, the impact he can make on this team factor back. Well, well, listen, I, here's how factor back came about. Um, I, I think I've told before, but it bears repeating. Um, Dick Hoke would come in and he's like, okay, this week guys, we really got to be a factor in, you know, say butch pick, let's have a big butch team. Let's say Houston. We're playing Houston. You know, the next week it'd be, hey, listen, guys, we got to be a big factor of the passing game. And I'm like, man, man, we're a factor every week. It's something, man. We're like, we should be some factor backs. So that's how I, I ended up terming it because there's a fact. And, and the running back, as long as you are balanced and complete, you should be a, an impact or a factor in every aspect of it. And But you got to understand, first of all, blocking is a being just a willing participant. That's like 90% of it. Um, but then there's the understanding of who you you block, which a lot of players really struggle with. Well, Najee Harris was outstanding in college at doing that. I see. I didn't even talk about the running yet, just because these sure. teams stood out with with him. He was well schooled. On he was outstanding fundamentally at blocking guys and how to take them on, no matter where they're in the line of scrimmage or on the perimeter. I was impressed by that. Um, you know, people keep going, "Oh, he's not the route runner that Le'Veon Bell is." And I'm like, okay, well, that's an absolutely um, terrible comparison. Le'Veon Bell's been in the league, you know, about eight years. 
of course, if you lost, saw Le'Veon Bell coming out of Michigan State, he was not as good as Najee Harris running routes. So in fair comparison, Najee Harris is much better route runner based on the environment and the moment when they both came out. You compare him like eight years into the league, that's not even fair. You know, that's, that's ridiculous to compare somebody in that manner. Um, Najee Harris actually has a better overall skill set. I think he, he'll be more effective um, and can be outside of the box versus inside the box, although he's wicked there. Um, don't get me wrong. And then when you come to his running skills, I think the thing that was that really struck me and stood out is he has tremendous balance for his size. Um, he's just very nimble, um, but yet di- dynamic and um, decisive. And I use the word decisive. That might be the most critical aspect of transitioning a, ki- a kid from college to the National Football League. Because in college, you can get you, know, you can get away with a lot of stuff in college because the game is played on the perimeter. You know, the hash marks are different in the NFL. They are in college, and it's a different game. And one of the most important things is to be a decisive runner. You don't have a, a chance to hesitate, bounce it, and run around the side and run for 50 yards or 15. It doesn't happen in the NFL like that. Nobody can do that. Um, and so you got to be decisive, and he's extremely a decisive runner. Um, he's got tremendous power and balance. So he's going to be a significant factor. You know, if you look at what they're doing, um, as I watch them in preseason, you know, when you watch preseason, I at least know what to look for just because I'll tell you this, um, it was when Bill Cowher first came in, it was really where I learned about how you go about bringing a new system in, evaluating players, and then creating a game plan for opening day. I don't know if you guys remember, but when Bill first came in, I don't think we scored a touchdown, or we, if we did, it was lucky. Um, we're not very good. And I was like, holy cow, we, we can't move the ball at all. But Ron Earhart was a really good off the court, and I learned a lot from him. And I saw bits and pieces of what I expect to happen against Buffalo and all year. And this is the thing that gives should give every Steeler hope and where they have a chance to be a very good football team. And there's a reason that Baltimore is always in games, Tennessee is always in games, and San Francisco is always in games for this reason right here. The most important aspect of in the National Football League, if you're going to win consistently, you have to control the tempo. One of the best ways to do that is really to run the football. I know it may sound like a cliche, but there's a reason that people say you must do it, and there's a reason people say you must stop it. Because if you can run it, you control the game. You control and dictate what the defense is doing. Uh, you set yourself up even better to throw the football. Why the Ravens? good at one pat one concept of throwing the ball it's run action it's not play action everybody keeps saying play action play action is when a quarterback wide uh, running back do something in the backfield offensive line is pass blocking run action is when it looks like run for a half a second you paralyze the box you freeze them and the wide receivers are running vertical running routes they say there's huge voids in the secondary that's why they throw the football so well now the other part of that passing game the ravens struggle with is pure drop back well, if you ask number seven, 30% of the time we're going to do drop back this year versus 70% like we did last year, number seven is even going to be better. Their offense will be better, and you got a better chance of your offensive line developing and coming together. And Najee Harris is going to be a big foundation of that. You didn't draft him in the first round, sit him on the bench, or give it to the ball 15 times or 10 to him. He needs to touch it 20, 22 times a game, period. He does that, they got a chance. 
Well, Merrill, apparently they didn't draft any of these guys to sit them on the bench because the fourth-round guy's playing left tackle and the third-round guy's yeah. playing center. And the uh, second-year guy from last year's playing guard. There are a lot of rookies and, and young, unproven guys that either have major or complementary roles on this team. Uh, too much youth or, or play the best guys, and who cares how old they are? Well, you don't have experience. I mean, there, there's no doubt. So that, just going back to what I was t- talking about, okay, if you're going to ask your offensive line, you just mentioned that those guys are the key. They're the, where the pendulum swings on how well they do. So I can tell you this from pure experience and watching this league for some 30-plus years. If you ask that offensive line and to develop, and you can develop them as run blockers first, and then you build the passing game off of that those runs. I mean, some of our best passing game when Chuck Knoll, who played for Chuck Knoll and Bill Cowher, we're run action things, a trap pass. When you hear a trap pass, that means we're running a trap, but we're going to throw off of it. And it paralyzes the box. So to help those guys, that's another reason I believe you're going to see a lot of this is because the best way to help them develop is not to put the burden that they got to individually pass block and see um, defenses and handle defenses from a pure pass perspective. I bet you, I'm hoping that it's about 30% of the time they ask them to do that. 70 it's going to be running and run action. If they do that, that offensive line has a chance to be, uh, be play well together and have success, even though they don't have a lot of experience, as long as you stay in that mode. If it's a lot of drop back, you're just going to have a lot of issues. They have no shot. The other way, you got a shot. And how much does Matt Canada help that situation? I mean, we're going to see more play action, more run action, much more motion, yep. varieties of motion, uh, unbalanced lines, you know, misdirection. Yeah, I, I don't th- – well, see, that's what I'm saying. The preseason, you could see – every time they went to take a shot, it was run action. Yeah. Now, you know, both guys missed it. You know, when Ben when Ben hits his, the other guys didn't. I mean, so that's all that matters. Number seven is going to hit it. Um, and it's, it's just – I'm telling you, that that's one of the easiest ways to throw the football. It's one thing I believe – honestly, if you go back and look at Tom Brady's career, when they've been in distress or when they've won it, shoot – the Tampa Bay game, the Super Bowl, they all they the predominant passing game was run action. Anytime they had to correct themselves, the one year they won it, I when they started like one and two because of run action and throwing the football off that. So if you got one of the, the greatest guy to ever play the game, and that's what you go back to, like in his fifteenth year, his sixteenth year, his twenty-first year, that right there should speak volumes of how important it is and how critical it is. And how much easier it is to throw the football and be much more dangerous it is. You know, it's just it's very hard to just drop back and be consistently good and control the tempo. Go go back to that. That is very very hard to do and seldom ever done consistently uh, in the history of our league. That's why I think you'll see this. I saw it in, in spurts in preseason, but that's how you're going to see preseason. And I I would almost guarantee against the Buffalo Bills, that's probably the first shot they take. Is going to be off of run action. Merrill, uh, defensively, uh, I was very excited when the Steelers got Joe Schobert. Uh, I think that should allow them to play more nickel and less dime, and I think they play a lot better in terms of what uh, Schobert and Bush can do uh, playing off of uh, each other. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have this season? Well, you know, I – um, he he reminded me a lot of Spillane, and you know, watching him in Jacksonville, he has obviously more experience. Though um, he's very complete, very savvy, you know, and he handles and you know he can play. To your point, 
in passing downs. He's outstanding in passing downs, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know that they, the prior move Devin in a lot of passing downs because people are still targeting him. He's still struggling with that. You know, that's going to be something they got to protect him from right now until he gets it, he gets it figured out because it, it's a weak it's a weak link to that defense because people target that. But he does, you know, add some definite experience, and he's very savvy. Whether it's individual, I mean, man-to-man stuff or his own concepts, he's very impressive from a, a study aspect of how he plays that, and then should be a, an upgrade. Do you think? I mean, you look at like Tampa Bay's linebackers with Levante David and Devin White, who came in the league with Bush the same year. I just think having that veteran next to the young linebacker take the play calls, the communication off his off his plate, and just let the youngster run around and be an athlete. I think it has a good ripple effect. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any any doubt, but I just, just running around being an athlete is, is, the, is the problem. That's <laughs> yeah, what he's been doing. Like, okay, right, so yeah, that's, right. that's, a really bad, that's a really bad thing, which that's what you just described him. And you know, people keep talking about, he runs around, he's an athlete, he's a first-rounder. Yeah, right, but he's missing his gap responsibility and run. He overruns or he's late. Uh, the passing game, he doesn't – identify things and therefore he's late and trailing and getting beat um they're getting first downs and touchdowns on him not good like so you know I, nobody has said he's been a great football player or a good inside linebacker that's what i want to hear that's what he has to get to he's going on his third year you know, you know the injury obviously setting back you were hoping in the second year which most of the time you see the most improvement in your second year and you didn't see that last year now hopefully with that injury and that behind him, you'll start to see it. That's what I'm really hoping that you're going to see. But um, being able to take that talent and become a good linebacker is the goal. It's not be a good athlete and run around. Running around is not – nobody put in a play and goes, hey, you know, Devin, just run around and make a play. And that's not how defense works. That's not how, um, that's not how teams win championships. It's with structure and it's with doing your job. And he's, you know, he's been exposed by that and now people target him. Now he's going to have to show that, that he's ready to – face that challenge and take that on and you're not going to come my way anymore. Once you start showing that people quit doing it. Merrill, looking at the bills, uh, most people perceive them to be a contender, got to the championship game last year. Uh, a lot to like about that team. The quarterback to me is almost flabbergasting in that he has gotten remarkably more accurate at the NFL level, which I don't see too often. How, did, how has Josh yep. Allen pulled that off? Well, I, I, he was actually really accurate until he threw the ball down the field. And I, and I, you know, so what I'm getting at is he wasn't inaccurate in other places. It was just his deep ball. And, you know, that to me, you know, cause I really studied him when he came out of Wyoming and um, that was a concern of mine too. I was like, geez, I mean, yeah, he could go at 80 yards, but you never know where it's going. I mean, it, I mean, it could be 85 and it needs to be 75. It could be 65, but it needs to be 60. Well, then I kind of – I remember Peyton Manning when he came out. You know, Peyton Manning was not very good at throwing the ball outside the numbers. And the reason for that, because um, I had a great talk, a chance to visit with him, is his, he just wasn't strong enough. And that was just some of his problems. So he worked on his core, his footwork, and strength, and then he became one of the best outside – um, the number of throwers. And I think that what helped, helped Josh is that when you come to the NFL, that can be your craft. If that's all you do. You can really hone in and develop that. And there's something in college you have time to develop that. But that was the only area. Like, he was very good everywhere else. It just was there. So it wasn't like he was inaccurate. He was just inaccurate deep. 
And I think that over time that working on that and the few the years he's had to be able to develop his craft has helped that. So um, um, I've seen it before several times in different areas. Um, you know, Peyton was just one of them. But um, I'm not shocked by that. Um, but it was a concern of mine, too, when I saw it. I was like, oof, you know, he can't throw. But, man, you don't know if you, it's a 50-50 ball at best sometimes. But he is. I'm happy for him because that is a super kid. I know him pretty well, and he is just a fascinating young man. And um, I'm, I hope the best for him and, and the Buffalo Bills. They do have a, a special team, you know. So this is a good test for the Steelers, really, to find out where they are as a team. You know, that, this will be a good challenge. Just from a, a big-picture Bills perspective, they barely run the ball. I mean, it's very modern-day football. Uh, it's all yeah. through Allen in the passing game. You know, you mentioned tempo and controlling that with, with the run game. They do it differently. I mean, do you think and that's – a good percentage of the runs are Allen, too. Yeah, right, right. I yeah. mean, do you think that's sustainable? No, it's okay. not. And I, I actually – I don't think you're going to see that. You know, I, you know now – that's a preseason, you know, he, they don't need to throw the football for, you know, they want Josh Allen to throw the ball a lot, but I'm telling you, they, if you, uh, you know, I studied them in preseason and there was an emphasis that went back. But keep in mind, the running backs got hurt too. You know, they had mm-hmm. some dads, they got some issues at running back, which I think was part of this. I mean, um, but I don't think so. I, in fact, I think that you'll see, um, you'll see the running game be a big part of what the Buffalo Bills do. If they're going to eclipse it to a championship level, that's going to have to be a must. They will never be able to sustain it and be consistent like um, they were last year. They eventually got exposed to. It'll eventually catch them. So I would not walk into this game thinking, ah, we just got to take care of Josh Allen. I would not worry about the running game. I'll sleep on that because you're going to wake up too late. I I really do. I think you're going to see the running game be a big part of this and their attempt at it anyway. Merrill, I would have expected nothing less than that answer you just gave us. You are you are an old school well, believe in the run guy, and uh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you're you're more and more in the minority. Well, hey, well let's just go to this. All you got to do is go back to the history of the game, go back and look at it. Go from t- today to 50, 60, 70 years ago, and look at it. The critical component of that in winning championships, and it's not going to change. This this league is about playing in the middle of the field. Um, you cannot be one-dimensional. You have to have a lot of phases to your game. That means if you have a very dynamic, a lot of phases to your passing game, but you lack in the running game, you're going to get exposed eventually. Ask the Patriots. One time they, they needed to win, and they couldn't when they were undefeated going into the Super Bowl. Got exposed by it. Um, to not have that as part of your arsenal and have a phase like that, you're going to get exposed eventually. Um, that's what happens to the Ravens. They don't have a pure passing attack. They get exposed for that. They'll never have a pure passing attack, and that will always rear its ugly head at some point and usually at a critical moment. So looking at the Steelers, uh, we expect they will run the ball more effectively as they have you know, put a self-mandate out there to do. They were last in the league. Where do they end up? Middle of the pack, 20-something? And is that going to be good enough to tip it over the top in terms of them making another contending run? No, middle of the pack that there'll be there'll be eight and nine, nine and eight. All right, um, if they're in the top ten, they could be in the playoffs. Then I just think that that's where they will have to be, and they can. Um, they have. 
Well, you know, it's just so hard. I'm telling you, with, with all the, the many guys up front, it's hard to really predict. You know, are they going to come together? Are they going to mesh together? How quickly does that happen? Yeah. I just think they're going to have the opportunities to do that. Let's put it this way. I just don't think they're going to deviate from that. They'll stay to it, and I and rightfully so because that hinges on how well this team will be. The better they get, and if they keep, if they got some steam and they get success and they start playing well, and they really get into a rhythm, and they go into the you know ten or twelve. Uh, area, they got a playoff team. If they're 15, 16, they're not. Merrill, a couple new faces on defense for the Steelers. Any reason to think this defense could take a step backwards? Yeah. I, I You know, there's, you know, I'm going to tell you this. When Bud Dupree went down, the season spiraled right after that. I mean, I'm telling you, when I saw him go down, I was like, oh, no. And it, it was. You know, when they played the Bills, let's go back to that last year week 14 you know they were devastated in the linebacking core you know um and cam hayward had a big game and high smith he did he had some moments and so did tj watt but they eventually got exposed and wore down um i don't know that it'll be as good as it was at you know like up to week 10 or whenever bud dupree went down but um it might take them a little bit to get to where they want to be one thing i noticed in preseason you might see more of it is to compensate from maybe not having a Bud Dupree and not having two edge guys that you just got to worry about. They did do a lot of more pressure. You can see different types of pressures and, and that aspect, that might be a different MO. And if they do it well, they time it well. Moving those um, outside guys to, into the middle and standing up and all that just stuff. A lot of things, just a lot of different looks that you didn't see in the past. And you oftentimes do that because you don't have two guys that are going to dominate the game, you know, which is a luxury. So you got to do some things, um, and hopefully you can do them within the structure that works for your your guys do well. And, you know, if they're really good at that, boy, you can, you can disturb some, some offenses. You can disrupt games with that. So we'll have to see how that develops. Cause you know, blitzing is a real art form, you know, designing them and all that is really, it's all cool in the game, but to execute them and disguise them and time them, that boy, that's, that's art. And there's not much talked about. People don't appreciate it, but good blitzing teams have those, kind of guys and we'll have to see if they have those kind of guys if they do then yeah they got a they got a seriously good chance of you know becoming a really good team you know as the season moves on hey merrill this was fun let's do it again next week hopefully you'll be uh in ohio actually gutting a deer when you talk to us you could do a little <laughs> i always hope for that you i always do, hope for that guys you could do a little play-by-play you you could even speak before you're spoken to how's that <laughs> yeah, that's even better. I love this. I love you guys, man. I work with you guys anytime. <laughs> that was Merrill Hodge uh, kicking off his uh, weekly appearances here on Steelers Preview. When we come back, uh, Matt and I will put a bow on it, so uh, keep it here. We've got a little more Josh Allen talk to uh, engage in based on something that Keith Butler said today that I think will be attention-getting in Buffalo. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5, DVE, and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Matt Williamson and Mike Pursuta with you tonight until 8 o'clock here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5, DVE, and SNR. We're uh, getting you ready for the Steelers and the Bills on Sunday in Buffalo, the regular season opener. A uh, little news for you. Late this afternoon via Ian Rappaport of uh, the NFL Network and NFL.com. New deal for T.J. Watt, according to Ian Rappaport. Four-year extension worth a little more than $112 million, $28.003 million average per year. Not bad. 
and 80 million guaranteed. <laughs> no official uh, confirmation from the Steelers uh, as of yet, but uh, an issue that was threatening to become a bigger one has now been right tied up. Done and, talking about uh, that one. Put a bow on it and uh, unleash T.J. Watt on Buffalo and the rest of the NFL. Matt, we talked with Keith Butler, the Steelers' offensive coordinator, excuse me, defensive coordinator down on the south side today. And, of course, he was raving about Josh Allen as we have been raving about sure. Josh Allen. This is a guy that not only uh, can he throw the ball, but uh, over 1,500 rushing yards in three NFL seasons, 25 NFL rushing touchdowns. And Keith Butler said when Josh Allen runs the ball, we, the Steelers, got to treat him like a running back. And then it was pointed out to Butler that, hey, this Allen, he's a big kid, 6'5", 237. He likes to finish his runs oh, yeah. sometimes. And Butler said, I hope he does. Because <laughs> that football attracts a lot of attention in the National Football League. And sometimes there's a price to pay. <laughs> That's a poor imitation of Keith Butler. And I didn't even say Point dad. taken, though. I didn't say dad gum. But can they play a little bash and smash on this guy and, and uh, deter him from running the ball? I was going to say deter the way Book Howard used to, but – uh, it's a great conversation because he's a phenomenal runner and, and he's much more Cam Newton-esque. I mean, he looks for contact. He's a big, powerful human being. But one of the things that's plagued him his whole career is he's a fumbler. And, and I mean, I'm sure that's what Coach was referring to is whether it's in the pocket or as a ball carrier. And again, he initiates contact. That ball comes out a lot. I mean, of the few things he needs to get better at, that's at the top of the list. I wonder, and this kind of goes back to our conversation with Merrill, too, if you're the owner of the Bills, you know, kind of along the T.J. Watt conversation, and you just gave Josh Allen the contract you did, might the rushing attempts come down a little? Or maybe, hey, Josh, you think you should slide once in a while? You know, I wonder if, you know, money talks. <laughs> and I just wonder, is, it gonna, is, his, is his strategy as a runner going to change at all? I would think it would be the latter more than the former. The, mm -hmm. I think sliding is a real good idea. Even real good is, idea. He is a 6'5", 230-pound man who can, physical. Yeah. He can dish it out. He's so effective running the ball. Yeah. Um, not just he can get out on the wing and throw on the run, and he can throw ropes into tight windows. He can do it going to his right or going to his left. I think he's more effective outside the pocket than in, and I'm not saying – Right, he's and he's effective everywhere. Right, yeah, it's not Without that he's question. ineffective in the pocket. He's great outside, but boy, when he puts uh, his mind to it, he can pick up yards and and run through stuff. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think he's a little too valuable at this point. To uh, I, I don't know if he'll be their short yardage back anymore, yeah. and things like that, or hey, get down or duck out of bounds, those type of things. I I think he's the most talented quarterback in the league, and that includes Pat Mahomes. When you factor in size, I think he has the strongest arm in the league. You mentioned him as a runner. He accelerates really well for a long strider, a tall guy. You know, I mean, uh, he's incredibly impressive, and he's gotten remarkably better every season, which I, you know, me mentioned before is just uncanny. We've got about three minutes left. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about Stephon Diggs, the leading uh, great player receiver in terms yeah. of catches and yards with Buffalo, and the Steelers kind of had him hemmed in last year for a half, and then that second half. Seven catches on eight targets, 92 yards, a touchdown. He took the game over. Yeah. How are they going to deal with uh, Stephon Tiggs? That's a problem. I mean, with all respect to the rest of their offense, it's good, not great. I mean, I would rather get Cole Beasley to death than Dawson Knox to death than let Diggs destroy you. So 
flat-out doubles don't happen, but I would sure think you get Minka leaning his way a lot. The problem with Diggs, though, is he's so good at everything. In a way, he kind of reminds me of Antonio Brown in that he can nickel and dime you to death. Uh, he can beat press. He can breathe zone. He's an elite route runner with elite body control. And he's even better with the Bills than he was with the Vikes. And he was a really good player with the Vikes. Yeah. Um, Joe Hayden will play. And he didn't play last December right. for the Steelers. Help. But right. it'll help. I don't know if that. You're you know, not going to shut him down. Takes digs out of the game. I mean, he had the most targets in the league last year. He had a phenomenal season. Again, he's great at all levels. Um, he's probably going to get his no matter what. And uh, it's not an accident. I mentioned how much Allen's improved year to year. Well, you give him Stephon Diggs, that's a big reason why that big step took forward for the quarterback, too. Yeah, I think he's probably going to get his, too. I think the Bills are probably going to get theirs. Uh, I like Buffalo in this game. Uh, I think it's a really tough opener for Pittsburgh. It is. Um, I am not uh, suggesting this is going to be definitive or defining uh, with regard to what the Steelers are capable of, mm -hmm. but I think it's a little too much too soon. I think Buffalo is going to pull away late and win at about 30-17. to 17. I think it, I like it closer than that because I don't think the Steelers are a wonderful matchup for the Bills for two reasons. Their pass rush and the Bills' corners, we haven't gone there. They have a great one in Tredavis White, but the other two who play 90% of the snaps are just okay. So I, I think whoever White isn't on could do well in this game too. But uh, Buffalo's the better team, in my opinion. I mean, I picked them to win the Super Bowls here. Uh, and playing in their building in week one is a brutal task. You got a score? Uh, give me, I think it'll be a little lower scoring than you said. I haven't thought of a score. Should have. I'm going 24-20 Buffalo. That'll do it for us tonight. I uh, want to thank uh, the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge, for checking in from the woods of Kentucky. Uh, That's where he's at now, right? Going to Ohio yeah, next. Ohio's okay, going to keep up, then Louisiana. Got to right? get one in Kentucky, then go to Ohio and Louisiana, <laughs> okay. the Deer Belt. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in wherever you found us, either on uh, DVE or SNR. Uh, programming note, we're going to be doing this every, every Thursday, Thursday when the game is on Sunday. When the game is not on Sunday, we will adjust accordingly and with holidays and all the rest. But uh, we're in for the long haul, so uh, keep it here uh, to uh, break down uh, each and every week the Steelers' opponents. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Shirtless Tom behind the glass for keeping us on the air. For Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Welcome back, football! <laughs>